Chapter 12. What Should We Fast About? Through fasting, we humble ourselves before God and seek His intervention in our lives. But what kind of intervention should we be looking for exactly? The Bible shows us five primary motivations for fasting. Mourning, repentance, deliverance or protection, guidance, and spiritual strength. None of these motivations are mutually exclusive. It makes sense that we can fast while both mourning and seeking deliverance, or to express repentance while also seeking guidance. One important lesson these biblical examples teach us is that fasting is a means of drawing close to God, and also a legitimate way to ask Him for help. Through fasting and prayer, David pleaded with God for the life of his child in 2 Samuel 12.16. Ezra intended to seek from him the right way for us and our little ones and all our possessions in Ezra 8.21. Esther fasted for favor when she was about to go to the king, which is against the law, in Esther 4.16. And the entire nation of Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord in 2 Chronicles 20.4 on the eve of a great battle. The key is that none of these fasts was intended to force God's intervention, simply to request or plead for it. God isn't somehow required to do what we ask when we fast, but we're also not wrong to make those requests. Nehemiah's fast in Nehemiah chapter 1 verses 1 through 11 is a great example of how all five motivations can be present in a single fast. He mourned the condition of Jerusalem in verses 3 through 4. He repented and confessed the sins of his nation in verses 5 through 7. He prayed for God's deliverance in verses 8 through 10. He sought God's guidance in finding favor with the king of Persia in verse 11. And he looked for the spiritual strength to tackle the enormous task ahead of him in Nehemiah chapter 2 and verses 4 through 5. As an act of mourning. Many of the fasts in the Bible were expressions of grief and mourning. While this is a perfectly legitimate reason to fast, we have to be careful that our fasts don't become public displays intended to be seen by others. Fasting as an act of mourning was usually accompanied by several outward signs. Mourners would tear their clothes and exchange them for coarse and uncomfortable sackcloth, often weeping loudly and placing ashes on their head as a mark of humiliation and extreme grief. Many Jews fasted each year to mourn the destruction of the first temple in Jerusalem and other terrible events. Some were fasting even more often, see Luke 18 verse 12. By the time of Christ, this kind of fasting had become such a hollow spectacle that Jesus told his followers, but you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, so that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your Father who is in the secret place. Matthew 6, verses 17-18 through 18. Grief was not the problem here. The problem was putting that grief on display. There will be times during our lives when we experience intense tragedy, maybe the death of a loved one, the painful end of a relationship, or the loss of a home. In times like these, humbling ourselves and expressing our grief to God through fasting is completely acceptable. We worship the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble, with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. 2 Corinthians 1, 3-4 During these fasts, we will likely be seeking comfort from God. And, what's more, we should expect to find it. Maybe not right away. The grieving process can be long, difficult, and painful. Relief won't always come overnight. It could take days, weeks, months, maybe even years. But we have this promise from Jesus Christ himself. Blessed are those who mourn, 
for they shall be comforted. Matthew 5 verse 4. Not might. Shall. However long it takes, we can count on, depend on, this eventual comfort. Like a baby bird seeking shelter with its mother, you can count on God to cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. Psalm 91 verse 4. Compare Luke 13 34. As we look for comfort, the words God spoke to the prophet Habakkuk apply here too. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Habakkuk 2 verse 3 ESV. As an expression of repentance. Repentance is an inward event that results in inward and outward change, change of our thoughts and our actions. In the Bible, the Hebrew and Greek words for repentance all carry a sense of change. To turn around, change our direction, or to understand differently, change our thinking. We repent of our sins when we learn to hate them the way God does, and when we choose to walk away from them. For a more detailed explanation, see our articles What is Repentance and How to Repent. Paul wrote to the Corinthians about the changes their repentance, or godly sorrow, had brought about in their lives. For observe this very thing, that you sorrowed in a godly manner. What diligence it produced in you. What clearing of yourselves. What indignation. What fear. What vehement desire. What zeal. What vindication. 2 Corinthians 7 verse 11. Many times in the Bible, the inward impact of repentance is reflected by the outward act of fasting. That's not to say that all repentance should be accompanied by fasting. Fasting is not an act of penance. It's not a ritual we have to go through in order for God to forgive our sins. Humbling ourselves through fasting can help us reach a deeper level of genuine repentance, though it isn't a stand-in for repentance. We don't repent by fasting, but we can choose to express our repentance to God through fasting. And as we connect with Him through that process, we can ask Him to show us where and how to change our lives, as well as asking Him for the strength to make those changes. As a plea for deliverance or protection When faced with impossible odds or insurmountable obstacles, God's people know to turn to Him, because the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. Luke 18 verse 27 we know that the creator of the universe has the power to step in and do the things we can't, that nothing is too hard for him, even when it seems impossible to us. Genesis 18 verse 14, Jeremiah 32 verse 27. Many of the fasts recorded in the Bible are pleas for God's deliverance, but deliverance can mean different things in different situations. Sometimes we need deliverance from an extreme situation. During Esther's time as queen, the Jews in Persia were faced with the threat of total genocide, and they fasted, expressing their anguish at the turn of events, but also pleading for deliverance. Esther 4 verses 3 and 16. On their own, standing against a genocide endorsed by the most powerful empire in the known world, the Jews had little chance of survival. But with God, there was hope. And true to form, God's intervention turned one of their darkest hours into one of their most joyful days, turning Sorrow to joy for them and mourning to a holiday. Esther 9 verse 22. But our need for God's deliverance is not limited to dramatic, history-making moments like the one Esther and her people faced. We'll probably be looking for God to intervene in trials of a much more personal nature. And that's okay. Even when our problems don't exist on the same scale as national threats, God still cares, and He still pays attention to our fasts. 
King David wrote about the time he spent fasting for his enemies when they were in poor health. But I, when they were sick, I wore sackcloth. I afflicted myself with fasting. I prayed with my head bowed on my chest. I went about as though I grieved for my friend or my brother, as one who laments his mother. I bowed down in mourning. Psalm 35, verses 13 through 14, ESV. David fasted for God's deliverance in the lives of these people. They were sick, and he prayed that they would get better. We might do the same, fasting and pleading with God to deliver others, or even ourselves, from difficult health trials. Besides health issues, we might fast to seek God's intervention in other matters as well. Persecution in our workplace or community, family matters, life-threatening circumstances, or any other situation where we have a desire to see God's protective hand at work. As a request for guidance. What should you do when you're not sure what God wants you to do next? Or what if you know what to do, but you're unsure about the best way to do it? Ask God. Asking for guidance is something we already do in our prayers, but fasting for guidance puts extra emphasis on the weight and urgency of our desire to be led by God. In the Bible, we can find several examples of God's people fasting to ask for divine help with their decisions. All the Jews in the Persian capital city fasted before Queen Esther defied Persian law and approached the king without being called. When Ezra prepared to return to Jerusalem with hundreds of his fellow Jews, the entire group fasted to seek from God the right way for us and our little ones and all our possessions. Ezra 8.21 When Daniel fasted and prayed to God, God sent an angel to give him skill to understand an important vision in Daniel 9.22. And when Christ's disciples began to appoint leaders in the church's various congregations, they prayed with fasting as they made those decisions in Acts 14.23. God has a perfect, unobstructed view of the entire universe. He knows every hair on your head. Not even a sparrow can fall to the ground without his knowledge. See Matthew 10, 29-30. He sees into the heart of every man, woman, and child on this planet. See Acts 1, 24. Nothing is hidden from God, which means no one is better qualified to lead us through life. There's a reason God told Joshua that if he stayed focused on God's law and chose to meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it, Joshua would make his way prosperous and have good success. Joshua 1 verse 8. Often the answer or guidance we need from God is already there in the pages of his word. It's just a matter of knowing where and how to look. God knows how his creation works, and he's recorded so much of that knowledge for us in the Bible. When we're fasting for God's guidance, we should make sure we're studying God's word, allowing him to guide and direct our focus. He may bring a verse to our attention that we've never noticed before, or else help us look at a passage of scripture in a whole new light. Sometimes, though, we'll find our answers in the counsel of a minister or a trusted friend, or maybe somewhere completely unexpected. Don't be surprised if God uses a creative avenue to send you the message you're looking for. It's usually pretty obvious when God is trying to get your attention. The only caution here is that it can be easy to read the answer we want into situations like this, even in studying the Bible. Be aware of your own biases and do your best to listen for what God wants to say and not what you want to hear. It's harder than it sounds. Other times, we'll get no answer at all, at least not right away. In those moments, it can be difficult not to feel ignored and frustrated. You might wonder if God cares about your problems or if he's even paying attention. He does care. He is paying attention. But remember that we're all part of something bigger than ourselves. 
and we can't see all of the moving parts the way God can. Even Daniel, a faithful servant that God called a man greatly beloved in Daniel 10 verse 11, sometimes prayed and fasted for answers that didn't come quite the way he expected. Once, God sent an angel to explain, Do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come because of your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me twenty-one days. And behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. Now I have come to make you understand what will happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision refers to many days yet to come. Daniel 10 verses 12 through 14. That is all the explanation and insight we get into a perplexing incident in the spirit world. But it's enough to let us know that, sometimes, things are going on behind the scenes that we can't possibly comprehend. We don't always know everything God has set in motion. Just as Daniel didn't know about the angelic struggle that took 21 days, three weeks, to resolve, God may already have an answer prepared for you. And even if our answers don't arrive when we want them to, they will arrive exactly when we need them to. As a source of spiritual strength The best examples of fasting for spiritual strength come from three fasts that, barring direct instruction from God, we should never, ever try to copy. These fasts each lasted for 40 days. For human beings, that's an impossible feat, unless God is involved. Moses was there with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights on Mount Sinai, and he neither ate bread nor drank water. Exodus 34 verse 28. Elijah ate and drank a meal brought to him by an angel, and, strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. 1 Kings 19 verse 8 NIV Jesus Christ was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. And in those days he ate nothing, and afterward, when they had ended, he was hungry. Luke 4 verses 1 through 2 It's important to note that in each of these examples, God appears to have initiated the fast. The human body is not designed to survive 40 days and nights without food and water. These three men lived through their fasts because God kept them alive. It would be reckless for us to attempt the same thing without God's clear and explicit approval. But while we can't copy the length of these fasts, we can certainly copy the reason for the fasts. Moses, Elijah, and Jesus were each dependent on God to give them the spiritual strength they needed for the tasks ahead of them. Moses was receiving the Ten Commandments from God for the second time. He was about to spend 40 years leading an idolatrous, rebellious, stiff-necked nation of complainers and grumblers through the wilderness. That was a task almost as impossible as 40 days of fasting. Moses repeatedly made the special request to God, Go among us, even though we are a stiff-necked people, and pardon our iniquity and our sin. Exodus 34 verse 9, see also 33 verse 15. He needed strength from God to accomplish this mission. Elijah was exhausted, depressed, and terrified after performing an incredible miracle for God and still being met with a death threat from evil Queen Jezebel. The angel who brought Elijah food told him with compassion, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for you. 1 Kings 19 verse 7 Elijah lacked the spiritual strength to continue with the job God had given him, but through his fast he would find the divine support he needed to keep going. Jesus the Son of God made human, 
was about to enter into the most important spiritual confrontation in human history, and he too found strength in his 40 days of fasting. Although he was physically hungry, he was spiritually prepared to resist the lies and warped reasoning of Satan the devil, the tempter, Matthew 4 verse 3. Instead of going into this confrontation in peak physical form, he humbled himself and stayed close to God for strength. We'll talk about each of these fasts in greater detail in chapter 13. In our own lives, we will each face obstacles and challenges that require incredible strength, and sometimes we're not going to have enough of it on our own. That's okay. That's part of the plan. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. 2 Corinthians 4, verses 7-10 through 10. In these physical, frail, limited human bodies, we have access to God's Holy Spirit. We have access to the power and mind of God Himself. For more about what the Spirit is and how it works, read our article, How Do You Know You Have the Holy Spirit? As we request that strength, we can be confident in this promise. No temptation has overtaken you, except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape, that you may be able to bear it. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13 God allows us to face challenges in our lives, and he also promises to give us the strength to endure those challenges. By fasting for spiritual strength, we put aside our own self-reliance and ask God to supply what we lack, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us.